Hello and welcome to episode 110 of the Blockade Runner podcast. My name is John and with me as always is Ryan. Good morning. Hey, what's up, Ryan? And uh, today on episode 110, we are going to talk about a couple of quick news items, um, some stuff about some Star Wars games we talked about last week, some clarification, uh, some power moves at Lucasfilm, and even Star Wars Celebration. Just a couple things here quickly in the beginning. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the Age of Rebellion uh, comic series, which we've been reading um, some of that, and uh, talk about the Age of Resistance comic series, which is launching uh, in a month or two and is going to be uh, really cool. So um, that's kind of the layout for the episode. We're thinking it's going to be shorter, but we always think it's going to be shorter, and then it never is, so we'll see what happens. But uh, let's just jump into the news, Ryan, and uh, talk a little bit about this Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga game. Uh, we talked about it a bunch last week, but I ended up like the, a day or two after reading an article that kind of answered a lot of the questions I was posing um, on the show. So I thought we could just um, talk about this uh, real quick. And um, it sounds even better to me at this point than than I thought uh, when we were talking about it last week. So uh, this Lego, sti- uh, Lego Star Wars games um, is covering all nine of the saga movies. But uh, six of them have already been covered in previous games, so that was kind of our concern. It's like, well, how much of this is going to be new and how much of it is just going to be re-releasing stuff from previous games? But as far as I can tell, uh, it sounds like it's basically a brand new game. Like, the camera perspective is different. They are trying to uh, create um, levels and gameplay scenarios that are based on stuff they didn't do in the previous games. So I haven't seen anybody come right out and say, there's nothing from the old games in this game. Like nobody has said that um, directly, which is mm-hmm. weird. But everything, every time they talk about it, they're they're sort of discussing it as if it's all new. So I think it's all new. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, they haven't talked like the individual stages really, and but this article kind of goes into like the open world aspect of the game, which is. It's kind of surprising to me that there is an open world aspect in a game that's like, you know, based on three different time periods. Yeah. Um, And like there's time jumps even within those. Like it's kind of weird to have like a an open world connecting all of that. But also it's Lego and who cares? Um, Well, it's open world, but it's planet based. So I think like you know it, it's it seems very sort of like level centric in that regard so because mm. uh, there's five levels per movie and those are all on a like you go to a planet to do there's like a planet that you go to i think uh it, or a section of the game anyways you go to if you want to play stuff from revenge of the sith and then if you want to leave that you can go and play stuff from empire strikes back and maybe you hop between planets when you're there too but there's specific sections for each movie and then there's i think specific planets um maybe for that movie but it is broken up into nine different sections so when i was reading about it it was reminding me honestly um of uh, disney infinity maybe because you remember Mm -hmm. how that game had a little bit of like it would have sort of like open world is an exaggeration of what it was but you would go to anchorhead for instance or moss eisley i guess and there was be like 
an, a small open world, but you could explore and find little different side missions and stuff. But then there would yeah. also be like more mission focused things that they would send you off on. Right. Which that makes sense. But then like in this interview that the developer is, ta- is talking about like Zelda Breath of the Wild <laughs> and which is like the exact opposite of those like faux open worlds yeah but what he said specifically is like after playing a game like breath of the wild we realized that you have to have interesting stuff to do in the open world like every every corner you turn there needs to be something to engage with and it needs to be something interesting um but you could apply that you could take that mindset and apply it to a much smaller location you know so i think that's what they were thinking i don't know but yeah, but then, like, if it's smaller, isn't that just, like, a level, then? Is yeah. that really, like, an open world? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's like... right. Yeah, I, I think so. But, but but I don't know. I mean, like, like I just got done playing LEGO Force Awakens for, I mean, I finished it, which, second time, but I guess first and a half time or whatever, because I, I, I just played through it a couple months ago, and I played the whole thing. A couple years mm-hmm. ago, I had played, you know, 60% of it or something. But anyway, um, I was playing that, and, like, it's so guided and you can turn some of the stuff off on Lego force awakens, but I was playing with my five-year-old, so I didn't, but it's like, it, it will show you a, 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 a golden brick road of coins to follow to get from one place to the next. And it is very much like there's, you'll do a cover based shooting section and you can't go anywhere until you finish that. And then, you know, it's just like very mm-hmm. gated and directed. And I was never, I really wasn't ever playing that game feeling like, how come they're not letting me explore freely every little nook and cranny of this world? Like, I, I never yeah. had a problem with it, but it's not open world at all. You know what I mean? So I think right. they just kind of, I'm assuming they want every planet or every section to be like a little hub where you can go off and find things and do things, but then there'll also be missions too. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think hub is probably a better term than saying like hey we have nine open worlds in this game remember that exciting open world gameplay of mario galaxy when you were on that ship and you could (laughs) you could run around the entire ship and nothing would stop you from going anywhere on that ship that you could get from one end to another in 90 seconds you know that was crazy open world gameplay in 2008 or whatever but yeah um but cool i mean regardless i'm still excited about this i'm also excited that it sounds like and i feel like they did this a bit with lego uh force awakens um switching up the camera angle uh to feel more like a third person action game it seems Uh um which i don't know like how this is gonna play out but i do remember there were some like dynamic like behind the back camera angles and stuff in um uh lego force awakens so i think that's cool um yeah and that was another thing that made me feel like oh this is a new game because they were talking about it and they were like well this is like what kids play now you know we want to make it like not like a game that kids used to play 10 years ago or whatever we want to make it closer Mm -hmm. to something kids are more used to these days so uh yeah yeah and also they're uh adding some depth to the combat Mm. Um, some, uh, some button combos and... Yeah, like heavy attacks and light attacks and stuff, Like, maybe some, like, fighting game inputs. Oh. I don't know. Wow. I don't know. Okay. Um, I can throw a fireball in here if I have to, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, well, I... uh, Probably not that. (laughs) Probably not that. I'm thinking maybe something more like, like, Devil May Cry or something where, like, you're 
not just hitting one button over and over again. Maybe there's like some like multi-button attacks and like yeah. uh, timing-based attacks and combinations and that sort of thing. But it does sound like they're getting pretty ambitious mm-hmm. for this, um, especially like that's kind of the the vibe of this Kotaku article. Yeah, um, I should open it again. I just I took notes on it, um, and we're going to move on here pretty quickly. But uh, the title of it of the article, oh yeah, it's impressive and surprisingly different. That was the uh, that was the title of the article. Uh, yeah. The Lego Star Wars game is impressive and surprisingly different, and it's by Stephen Totillo too. So I mean, he's he's legit. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, mm-hmm. he's a legit games journalist that uh, seems to come away impressed from this game. So that's exciting. And um, yeah, I mean, the big thing for me too is I just. I'm excited about the idea of nine sections of the game, you know, one for each movie in the saga and then having five different levels, you know, for each uh, movie in the saga. I mean, you're, that's 45 levels first off, which is cool. Um, but then also it's just like they said that you can, um, you can start playing some revenge of the Sith if you feel like it. And then you can leave that and go play, you know, empire strikes back and then you can hop over to whatever else. So um, I loved uh, Lego force awakens. Um and, you know, once you beat a level, you have the free play option where you can go in and play any level you want or whatever. But um, mm-hmm. it is, I don't know. I was kind of thinking like, well, am I going to, I don't need to do it in sequence, I guess is my point in Lego Star Wars. I don't need to see the story from beginning to end. So yeah. <laughs> um, if I just feel like doing a pod racing level, but then I want to go do something from The Last Jedi, like, I love that, you know, that's great. So um, I think it, yeah, I, I think it's gonna be fantastic. I'm, I'm really excited about it. And last thing on this, we were talking uh, last week about, you know, is the episode nine stuff already in there? Are they working on it? (laughs) And they address that in this interview and say they they haven't started on the episode nine stuff because they haven't been given the plot yet. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I haven't seen anything and I'm not just saying that. Like I know nothing. <laughs> I've seen nothing. Yeah. From Which that sounds like JJ. That's, that's the JJ we know, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so that's, uh, puts these developers in a, in a hot spot though. Yeah. If yeah, they're yeah. Fing- not going to get that for a while. Yeah, fingers crossed that we don't get this game and like all the episode nine levels suck because they had to make them in 10 minutes, you know? <laughs> Um, no, I would think like, I, you know, if, if it's only five levels and the game ships in like March or April, um, if they can start getting info, like end of the summer, early fall, I mean, they can do five levels in six months, especially when they've already got, uh, you don't know that. Okay. Well, I don't know that, but I, (laughs) let's put it this way. I would expect, I would expect that they would make a game like this in like a year and a half or something, the entire game. Right. Mm -hmm. So if they have to do the last 20% and you know, the engine's done, the gameplay's done, uh, they can be doing like level designs even potentially without, you know, having assets and all that stuff. Like it just seems to me that they could, they could do, they could get it done, you know, um, I'm sure they have a plan. I'm sure they knew, you know, sort of like this is going to be the challenge because they're not going to want us to, you know, here you go, Ryan. Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens came out in, I think, June of 2016. That was six months after the movie came out, and that was an entire game, whereas this is, you know, uh, a smaller chunk of a larger game. And, uh, you know, I I think, I, I don't think it's, yeah, I think it'll be fine. So. It's just going to be a reskin of Return of the Jedi anyway. 
<laughs> All right. With that, let's move on to our second story uh, here, which is that uh, Lucasfilm has named uh, Michelle Rejuan as the senior vice president of live action development and production. So, um, man, I mean, that's a big deal on a couple of levels. Number one, um, the fact that there's going to be enough um, live action and like sort of live action movie and TV development that they want to bring in somebody you know, to kind of oversee all of that in the same way, like, you know, they would do maybe with the animation department that kind of have, um, you know, Dave Filoni sort of being overseeing that to a certain extent, you know, um, that they're bringing in, uh, Michelle Rejuan to do, to do that for live action, but, um, just makes it seem like there's going to be a lot of, uh, um, irons in the fire as far as that goes. So you need a coordinator, you need somebody who's like kind of overseeing multiple different things rather than just, well, we're making a new movie. Let's get a couple of producers working on this new movie. Well, we've got somebody now that's going to be kind of uh, managing uh, multiple live action projects going on at once. Um, and it only makes sense with Disney Plus, um, you know. Um, but it's but it's I, I still think it's just exciting to, to to hear that they're they're bringing somebody in like that. Yeah, and this is a new position, correct? Yeah, as far as I know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's. Um... I was like, wow, that seems like an important position. Like, it's weird they didn't have that before. So, like, previously, was it just, like, Kathleen Kennedy overseeing, like, this stuff? Was she kind of, like, playing that role? Yeah, I mean, you know, here's the thing. Like, neither of us are experts in how um, the film business works or a Mm -hmm. company like Lucasfilm works. But, you know, from a neophyte, you know, uneducated... Uh, perspective or whatever yeah it seems to me that you have kathleen kennedy who is the president of lucasfilm and is in charge of everything right Mm -hmm. and it's not like she's doing everything on her own but she is uh sort of you know the one who's making the final calls and, and calling the shots and that sort of thing um and then I think what's most important at Lucasfilm is live action film development, right? Or mm-hmm. that has been most important. And if you think back to the, the you know, uh, Disney era at Lucasfilm, it's been like one movie a year. And then they got themselves into a little bit of trouble when a couple of those movies didn't run as smoothly as they wanted it to. But it was sort of like, okay, let's do one production. And, you know, while we're making Force Awakens, we'll have pre-production going on on Rogue One. But we're not going to get into filming Rogue One until, you know, the main production of Force Awakens is wrapped up and then so on and so forth. Right. So it's like you do one movie at a time sort of thing. And so I think, uh, yeah, I think Kathleen Kennedy was like overall the executive in charge. And then you'd have a team of producers that worked on any given movie. Um, and I know there's producers that, that hop from one movie to the next. Um, ooh, what's his name? John something. He escapes. His name escapes me, but I've seen him uh, pop up quite a few places. Um, I think he's a more of like a numbers cruncher type producer. But he, you know, there's multiple producers, I think, that have worked on each movie. Um, but this seems like she would be somebody who's sort of, you know, um, a step above the the producers on any given project and that she's sort of like i said like overseeing yeah multiple things but to answer Mm -hmm. your question (laughs) uh yeah i think it was would have been kathleen kennedy would have had to do all of this you know and maybe people that support her um but this is a defined position it seems like that would be the focus is yeah managing these multiple teams and multiple projects that are happening and also you know having probably some um vision uh for that as well uh, and what those things should look like and be, et cetera. So, yeah. 
Um, yeah, but, uh, you know, I, from what I know about her, basically, um, Michelle Rejwan is that she's worked with JJ Abrams, uh, for quite a long time, um, worked on, you know, super eight and force awakens and star Trek. And, uh, yeah, she's a bad robot person making the jump over to Lucasfilm. So, um, I mean, that's, that's cool for, I mean, that's a good thing I think as far as episode nine goes as well. Uh, Um, because it's like, well, Michelle worked on force awakens which was great she's working on episode nine that must be going well and uh let's just actually let's just look at the the statement from kathleen kennedy it's only a couple sentences um she says working with michelle over the last seven years as a producer on both the force awakens and now the rise of skywalker i've seen her firsthand skills collaborating with writers and directors and i've been incredibly impressed with her creative skills and her ability to manage the complexity surrounding these massive projects I know the importance of building a team that you trust and have fun working with. It is paramount to our success. There's an exciting momentum building around the future of the franchise, and both myself and the Lucasfilm team look forward to working with Michelle and shaping the future in all areas of story development, from the theatrical film development to live action content for Disney+. Plus. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I think if you look back at the history of, uh, you know, Star Wars live action movies in the last, you know, five years or whatever, um, as she says, building a team of people that you feel like you can work with and trust and are on the same page with that, you know, that would be important because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been a couple experiences where that's been the case and then a couple where it hasn't. But, um, yeah, just, I, I would imagine it just seems like this, this person, um, Michelle Rajwan is really on point and really impressive and, and, uh, has done a great job in, in working with Lucasfilm so far and they want to hold on to her. Because I don't think J.J. is making any more Star Wars movies after <laughs> The Rise of Skywalker. So, you know, if they think she's brilliant and, and really good, um, let's keep her at Lucasfilm and, and uh, continue to make use of her talents. So, yeah, uh, I think it's cool. Probably won't be the last uh, swap between uh, Bad Robot, Robot and Lucasfilm. I, you know, those companies seem to have worked really closely together and obviously uh in you know this kind of proves it so i wonder if we'll see more people moving back and forth between those companies with the relationship they have now hmm um yeah possibly i don't know yeah could be could be i don't know what's next for jj yeah um after the rise of skywalker it'll be interesting to see but um yeah um and you know so ryan you you follow the marvel stuff really closely i don't um is this like a kevin feige type role do you think or not quite that i don't i don't i don't really know i still feel like Kath, kathleen kennedy is the kevin feige of lucasfilm because you know that's where the buck stops mm-hmm. it seems Mm-hmm. Um, but as, you know, we, as we see m- more of Michelle's role and we see more of her and get like, you know, from like the public facing side of things, um, I think, cause like, I'll be honest, like right now, I don't really understand what her role is. Like, I understand what I've read, but like, I need to, you know. Like, is she someone who's going to come out at Celebration? Is she someone who's going to, like, you know, write up the press releases? Or is she going to be kind of, like, working more behind the scenes and just, you know, keeping production running smoothly 
and stuff and then we never really hear from her like yeah i don't know i need to yeah it's it's hard to say like because you know like um kevin over on the marvel studios side of things like he is like the face of marvel studios so he you know he's the one doing like the press junkets and he's the one who's you know sending the press releases saying the release dates and like you know what's next on the slate and all of that and i i feel like that's kind of kathleen kennedy right now but maybe maybe that's gonna change so so uh, sorry it's would you say like feige has more of like a creative role where he is he pretty involved in like story and stuff like that or is he more like a money guy that's you know he's the one who's um, sort of making business decisions and then letting the creative people kind of do the creative thing. I don't know much about him. I think all, it's so. a little of both. Little I of think both. like okay. he's, you know, making, he's part of the, like, cause he's kind of also playing the role of like Lucasfilm, like the story group in a way too. Cause he's making sure like everything fits and connects and stuff. It seems, but yeah. again, this is just like the public facing side of things. Like, I don't know what these people's like day to day is like. So it's kind of hard to say these are like pretty nebulous roles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, she might be, um, she might be a brilliant person as far as, as far as like story goes and, and that sort of thing. Um, but, uh, I kind of get the impression that she is just, uh, really, um, at least from, from what people have said about like force awakens and, you know, what this press release says that like, you know, uh, Michelle Rachel maybe is just like really good at, you know, managing things and keeping mm-hmm. the production running and working with other people and like having things run smoothly and making a movie, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, you know, that's probably where Kathleen Kennedy's, uh, talents, you know, lied, uh, in her career as well is like, mm-hmm. you know, this is somebody who's made so many successful movies. She knows how to get the job done. She knows how to work with people. Um, she knows, she knows how to, uh, how to, uh, shepherd projects that are going to be really great and really successful. And like, not to suggest that, you know, I mean, she's, she made these incredible movies for decades and decades. And she's done like, I think an incredible job at Lucasfilm in the time mm-hmm. that she's there. So she's brilliant and, and smart, um, and has great taste. Um, but then like, you know, she also is brilliant in the sense that she created this story group, you know, Kiri Hart and, and, and all the people in the story group that are, they're the story people, I feel like. And, and Kathleen Kennedy, um, is, is, you know, she has her role, you know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. it's not about like, it's not so much in terms of, I mean, I, I I don't know. What do I know about it? I don't know what she does, but (laughs) I feel like she's brilliant. I feel like she, she knows how to like, make these movies um, run smoothly and be super successful. And she knows how to surround herself with people who are uh, brilliant and creative and all those things. And so I guess what I'm trying to say here is that like to have this person come in as the um, vice president of live action development and production, they don't necessarily have to be um, somebody who's going to sit down and be, you know, coming up with treatments for scripts and like, you know, the person who's got to have all these creative ideas as far as storytelling goes, mm-hmm. um, because we have a lot of people like that at Lucasfilm and you know she probably has great ideas but I think they would be bringing somebody in for this role who's going to be 
the person who can really make things happen and get the job done. I, maybe like a young Kathleen Kennedy. You know what I mean? This is yeah. like you know, Kathleen Kennedy hired her, has worked with her in a couple movies, and maybe thinks, hey, what I did successfully, you know, producing movies and continue to do producing movies, this person, she's really got it too. And like, let's bring her in. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think it's all very exciting. Um, and uh, I think it, it just spells good things for the future of uh, live action development and production at Lucasfilm. And uh, I feel like too, JJ, again, this is me. I don't, what do I know about it? But uh, I feel like it seems to me like Bad Robot and JJ, um, they uh, have, uh, I don't know, they seem like good people, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think somebody coming from over there, that seems like a good thing too. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe Kathleen sees a bit of uh Rick McCallum in Michelle as well. You never know. All right. Well why don't we uh talk real quick about Star Wars celebration and then we'll jump into the Age of Rebellion and Resistance um comics. So just real quick, celebration tickets are on sale. Ryan, I don't know if this is like a sore subject for you or where you're at with this. Um but it's I wanted fine. to talk I wanted to talk about it because it was crazy. Like tickets went on sale. We're recording on Sunday morning. Tickets went on sale on Friday morning. And uh, we knew they would go fast, at least the four-day passes. But I was like just shocked that the four-day passes sold out uh, within an hour uh, yeah. of going on sale. It's crazy. The, the demand is very strong for Star Wars right now and Star Wars Celebration. And I saw some, some pretty... Uh, uh, apt or or uh, right on commentary that morning of people saying, "Wow, I thought Star Wars was dead and everybody hated it." Now, <laughs> um, well, how come it sold out? Star Wars Celebration sold out in an hour, and uh, you know, well, I think if you were at the last celebration, you'd know why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It was killer. It was super fun, and uh, I'm very excited. So I hopped on uh, that morning and, and was able to get in and get my tickets, and uh, I guess I was lucky because. I was only in the digital queue or what what have you for about 15 minutes, and then I got through and bought mm-hmm. my ticket, and it was no big deal. Uh, so that was great. But um, some other friends of ours uh, had more trouble. I was talking to um, my friend uh, John from the Nerf Herder Council podcast, and he was in that queue for like 45, 50 minutes. But he did get through eventually, um, but he, he waited a long time. And then um, my, my brother Jason and his uh, actually his, his wife Erin, she waited a long, long time in line, and then she got through and tried to buy four-day tickets, and they told her they were sold out. And this is about the same time that the announcement was coming on Twitter from the Star Wars Celebration account saying, hey, tickets are 90% sold out. So I'm talking to him and, and, and talking to her, and I'm like, dude, they're not sold out. Just, like, hang tight. Like, I don't know. Figure it out. So <laughs> for both Jason and Aaron and then um, Chris... Uh, Van Nuys, Chris, Van Nuys, Cruise Night, Chris. Um, they they were in there in the queue. They got through and um, were being told it was sold out uh, and that they couldn't get tickets. Um, but then they just they held on uh, a little longer and then they were able to to get through. So I think what was happening, I saw some people posting about this this weekend too. I think what was happening is you had people in the site that had tickets in their cart that they didn't purchase. So then when they got taken out of their cart, then they went back into the pool or whatever. So there were times where it was saying like, oh, we're all out of four-day tickets. And then, you know, a minute or two later, they would be not out of four-day tickets. So I think that's what was going on. Hmm. But, uh, but yeah, it was it was, uh, it was one of those. It was like a mad rush for, for tickets that morning. And uh, hopefully not too many people, 
hopefully not too many people were in there thinking it was sold out and got out of the line when they could have gotten tickets. It's not doing that. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I saw yesterday that um, Saturday adult badges sold out, <laughs> which, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of a bummer. Um, that's the day that, you know, a lot of a lot of people go when they just go for like a one day um, when you're trying not to take off a lot of work um and that was kind of my plan but also i don't really know um but yeah four day adult saturday badges are apparently sold out um and so i think like at this point um for me i still haven't bought um tickets but uh, I think I'm probably just going to um, hold out until it gets closer and then, um, you know, decide if I'm if I'm going to go. And if I do decide that I'm going to go, I'll just uh, just buy some tickets from a reseller. But um, right now it was just uh, something I wasn't like totally ready to commit to. Like, I definitely want to go, but it's just like we talked about this um a bit uh last episode or the episode before that it's a it's a little bit of a tough time uh being teachers having this come up in august it's n- like pretty much any time any you know august september not really times as a teacher you want to take off work um because that is kind of where you know, when you're getting things started, establishing your classroom culture, like really getting, um, you know, consistency into place and, um, and, you know, not being there can throw things off a ton. So like, I wasn't like super excited about taking off work in August, um, to go, but, um, I guess we'll just kind of see as it gets closer and, um, I don't know. Yeah, there'll be there's there'll be a way to get tickets one way or another. Yeah, that's 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 the thing. I mean, because yeah, uh, and and you actually retweeted Daniel Kennedy Ryan from Lucasfilm, who was like, "Hey, it's a bummer. You know, they sold out so fast or whatever. But you know, you can definitely buy tickets. You know, resale down the road if if you decide you want to go or whatever. Because there will be." I mean, you know, it, and I don't blame anybody who did this, but there are people who are just like jumping in there saying, I'm going to buy a ticket day one, even if I decide not to go, because I know I'll be able to resell it, but you know, it'll just mm-hmm. make it easier for me to get, you know, if I decide I am going to go. Yeah. So there'll be thousands of people probably who will be selling four day passes. Um, and then, you know, but it is a bummer that the Saturday one day pass is already sold out too, because that, yeah. you know, if you just... I mean, if you if 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 a person decided to go Friday and Saturday, or decided to go Saturday and Sunday only, you know, that's actually less money than than the four day pass. That's one hundred and fifty dollars because they're seventy five dollars a day um, versus the four day pass is one hundred and ninety five. So, I mean, granted, it's not as good of a value because you're getting two days instead of four. But you know, if if somebody can only go for two days, or they only mm-hmm. want to go for two days, or whatever, like, it's really not that big of a deal if the four day pass is sold out because you could buy two two day passes or one day pass um but yeah saturday is like the prime day you know maybe you'd yeah. go friday saturday or maybe you'd go saturday sunday so saturday pass is selling out, and that's why they sold out right away obviously right. um but yeah that's a little bit of a bummer but again like you said if 
anybody listening is on the fence about going or wanted to go and is thinking they can't now because the four-day passes are sold out, you know, there's still a way. It, it's uh, just not a surefire. It's one of those things where you get to kind of wait and see. But I'm not, I don't travel as much as other people, especially via flights. But um, I think like, you know, you really probably don't even want to buy your flight until a couple months beforehand or even right. less than that, right? Yeah. So there's not really any reason that you, you know what I mean? It's like if you wait until the spring to see, or I mean the summer to see like, are there tickets available and you can find one and you're not, it's not really going to, it's not like you're going to have to pay through the nose for a flight when now, you know, you don't want to buy your flight yet anyway, you know? Um, and maybe this was probably stupid on my part, but I didn't even bother trying to get a hotel at this point either because I don't know who's going. I don't know how long people mm-hmm. are going to be there for. And um, we had better luck with Airbnb in Chicago than we would have with a hotel. Saved a lot of money that way, and I think it was a better experience. So um, I didn't want to jump in and get a hotel right away anyway. So, And we know some people that live out there. So we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah. yeah, anyway. so. But, yeah, I mean... I'm not too I'm not too stressed about it um, one way or another, but uh, glad you got your ticket. Um, that's awesome. Uh, and it's crazy it sold out <laughs> so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's it's one it's one of those things where it's like it's cool and it sucks at the same time because it's like yeah. wow it's it's a positive thing that there's that much excitement that it sold out right away. But it's a bummer because I'm, I'm sure you're not the only person, Ryan, who was like, I want to go, but I'm not ready to like pull the trigger day one, you know, mm-hmm. to buy a ticket. And uh, like, unfortunately, if you weren't ready <laughs> day one, you're kind of temporarily out of luck anyway. Like we said, there's other options, but at least temporarily yeah. out of luck. Yeah. And it just it sucks that like tickets were going on sale like right now because like I'm in. I'm in like prime summer vacation right now and like I want to have like as much money as possible so I can like go do stuff and like go see movies and go out to eat and you know buy video games and buy comics and like all this stuff that I don't get to do you know as often during the school year, like I want to just like live it up during the summer. And it's like, ah, do I really want to drop $200? Like right when I'm in the middle of summer vacation. Yeah. Like that could be spent on like hard partying. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, which you're known for. Um, yeah, yeah, no, totally. Uh, I have $0. I I have no money, but, um, (laughs) uh, I, I knew that I'd have no money and I knew that they would go on sale probably this month. Um, I just, had a feeling that's how it would go based on last year so um i uh been putting my pennies away uh, ever since we got done with celebration chicago and uh mm. um actually i shouldn't say this on the air because somebody could break in and take my money but there's a weird like little purple tin that used to it's from the 90s and it used to have some actually let me go grab it i just want to grab it okay <laughs> i'm excited about this this tin of uh john's life savings here it's just uh see all my all my celebration money is in this star wars wow yeah uh and what it has in it is a it's a according to the back actually it's a not only a metal card set but it's a patented metal card set Mm. um the patented metal card set you are holding is an official star wars product made under license by metallic impressions inside are full color reproductions from the original trilogy movies 
etc. blah blah blah. Let me pull this out. And you're gonna see when I open this up, uh, a wad of cash, which I'm wow. <laughs> is my is my celebration ticket money. Whoa. I had to put it in this tin, otherwise I wouldn't have had it. I mean, I bought it with my credit card, but I'm going to, you know, pay it off with this money that I had here. Um, and then uh, I got these metal cards in here. So Ooh. Cool. that's Anakin Skywalker. Um, <laughs> Yoda. Man, keeping those force ghosts, keeping watch over your money. Mm-hmm. Obi-Wan. Uh, and uh, well, who do we have here? Oh, Jedi Knight, um, Luke Skywalker. And yeah. then um, in a little bit of a left uh, left curve here. Left curve? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a wampa. <laughs> Whoa. So, also uh, a Jedi Knight. Yeah, no, I mean like metal cards um, one through four are these uh, these Jedi Knights and uh-huh. then the wampa. <laughs> also, who is also a Jedi Knight. This is canon any, now. It doesn't say anything about this being a, like a Jedi Knight Wampa, but maybe he is. So. Yeah. Met, met, metallic impressions are canon. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That was a weird, uh, or not a weird, but that was a... a, a it was definitely course. a digression. Yeah, it was a digression. Yeah. And so when we wonder why these shows go way longer than they should, mm-hmm. that's uh, probably a great example. But yeah, so I'm going to Star Wars Celebration. Um and I'm excited, but uh, I'm right there with you as far as the money thing goes. Like, had I not been sort of having the singular focus of I'll be broke in June, so I got to figure out a way to not be broke in June, mm-hmm. um, I, I would not be going either because I have no money. So, uh, except for in this purple tin. So please don't <laughs> come steal it because I need to pay off my credit card with this. <laughs> Cool. Well, let's talk about some comics, Ryan. Let's talk mm, about the Age of yeah, Rebellion let's. and the Age of Resistance. Okay. Um, so, Age of, Rebe- of Rebellion. Um, we've been reading some of these comics now. The whole series, Age we of Rebellion, is done. We should start off ex- explaining what this is. All right. Do that. Okay. So, what these ages are is they're a series of uh, one-shots, which is like... A singular contained story uh, in like one issue of a comic book. Um, they're like five bucks cover price, a little bit larger than a typical uh, comic. And this started with there's three ages Age of Republic, Age of Rebellion, and Age of Resistance. Um, Age of Republic was f- focused on the prequel trilogy. And those books were all written by Jody Hauser, and uh, they were excellent, um, like, stories, you know, based on prequel trilogy characters. So, you know, you got, like, your your Padme story, your Anakin story, your Jango Fett story, like, uh, and a Dooku story, which was a highlight of mine from that uh from that age um so those were those were all really fun um and now we are in the 
very well-tread territory of <laughs> the age of rebellion and you know i was i was texting you last night when you said you wanted to talk about this and i was like okay yeah we can do that but like i still have this like stack of these comics sitting here because like i just haven't really been super interested to read them and like i want to be clear why um, it's not because of the the talent involved, because Greg Pak is writing these, and he is awesome. Um, I'm super excited. He's going to be taking over the um, the mainline Star Wars book now that uh, Kieran Gillen's run has wrapped on that. Um, and you know, each one of these books have been like r- pretty awesome, but like. It's just, it's hard to get excited about, like, reading, like, a Han Solo one-shot in 2019 when, you know, we just got, like, a solo-focused movie and, like, we pretty much know who Han is and, like, most of what he's been up to uh, <laughs> in his his life. We've had a, a lot of those gaps filled in across various media. Um, so yeah, like I had, um, I was really excited to read the, the Tarkin book because that's one, even though there is that like Tarkin novel, um, I feel like, you know, that's one of the more interesting characters to explore. Like what's, you know, a a day in the life of Tarkin is, you know, a little more interesting to me, but, um. Yeah, so that one, like, I read right away, and that was, that's actually been my favorite from uh, this Age of Rebellion series. But, like, some of the other ones, like, the really well-tread characters, like, I just kind of put off until last night. But I did read through them and got caught up, and I have some thoughts, but I've been talking for a while. What about you, John? Well, yeah, I would just echo your statement that... uh, I mean, to be honest, here's the deal. Age of Rebellion of these three eras seems like it's going to be the weakest um, just because, like, getting the prequel era stories, we don't get as many of those, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it was more interesting. And there's certainly been a lot less canon material about, say, Qui-Gon Jinn than there has been about Leia, Han, and Luke, you know, or whatever. So Mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. Um, I've read a couple of these issues um, I don't have all of them. Uh, Ryan, I basically, you know, I have the ones that you give me codes for um, very generously. Um, so those are the ones that I've read. And uh, I guess the Darth Vader one actually is not out yet. That comes out this upcoming week. But yeah, um, but yeah I've, I've read uh, Han Solo, Lando, Luke Skywalker, and The Special. So I haven't read Jabba, Boba Fett, or Leia, uh, or Tarkin. Those the one, yeah, I haven't read those ones because I don't think I have codes for those. Um, uh, but whatever. Um, so yeah, I, th- I haven't read those. I think I sent you those codes. I, yeah, but, yeah. I, well, maybe, maybe. I know, no, no, no. I'll double check. I well, like because I opened up Comicsology to read them, and I was like, oh, weird. I don't have because I know you've sent me like a bunch of codes, and I put them all in, but. Hmm. I don't know. Anyway, um, from what I've read, yeah, they're fun. You know, they're fine, but uh, it's not super exciting because it's just, you know, it's like more time with these characters that we spend a lot of time with, like you said. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know if we wanted to share like quick impressions of uh, of the ones that we, you know, have read or whatever. Um, yeah. So, yeah, 
I guess we'll keep it spoiler free because I think we kind of have to because like you haven't even read all of them so I don't like super want to yeah. like spoil things and obviously there's probably some people who are I know like a, a really good choice on these books is to wait for the trade paperbacks mm-hmm. um because these are like um I believe they're five dollar cover price um and if if not then they're at least 3.99 but um the trades for these are so cheap on Amazon like really? the um like they I think they break it up into um each age into like two or three trades but like the age of republic trades are like nine to twelve dollars right now and okay. yeah it's like a it's such a good deal compared to buying the <laughs> buying I think the issues i think they're breaking into two it's heroes and villains yeah so yeah and the heroes one comes out like in august i think in trade and then the villains one in september or something like that so yeah, yeah. And the Age of Republic ones are already out. The Rebellion right. ones are coming out, like, late summer, early fall. Yeah. Um. But, and, like, yeah, and honestly, like, I don't know. Like, it was really exciting getting new prequel content every week, like, going to the shop and getting, like, those prequel stories. Like, I was really excited about that. Like, the Age of Rebellion stuff um, just you know like these aren't like pressing stories um and it's not like i'm super starved for you know this era of star wars content especially in comics considering we've had like you know like the darth vader series that takes place during this time we've like the the ongoing star wars series takes place during this time like uh we're we're getting a lot of that content and we've you know had a lot of that content for the past like 40 years um so yeah this has been less exciting and like honestly i would say like wait for the trades Mm -hmm. um and that's not taking away from like the quality of the art or the writing or anything like there's some cool stuff in these uh in these age of rebellion stories and there's some uh there's definitely some there's a few like unexpected bits um in there like some little little twists on things um that are fun but um it's so much cheaper to just wait for the trades like it's really hard to tell someone to go you know to their local comic shop and buy all of these at five bucks a pop unless you're like me and collect single issues of star wars comics man ryan you spent a whole star wars celebration four-day pass on age of rebellion comics almost <laughs> basically basically it's true no. um but you know that's uh something i've been collecting since the start and it yeah. would be weird to stop at any point now <laughs> um so yeah um but yeah let's just kind of like go over um what are your thoughts on some of the books that you've read so far Sure. Uh, we'll start with Luke Skywalker. Uh, I read that one last night. Well, I read them all last night. But uh, yeah, um, I thought the Luke Skywalker one was fine. Again, it's like, well, I've seen a lot of Luke Skywalker in the comics, like nonstop, really, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I thought it was fun to see Palpatine is involved here. And this is in between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And Palpatine is sort of um, 
he tells Vader kind of to take a break from from working on Luke or or that whole problem, <laughs> and uh, he tries to get in there and manipulate a little bit and and uh, and mess with Luke's head. So I think that's kind of fun to see because you know I don't know if I've seen too much of that really. Um, mm-hmm. It's always Vader and Luke kind of. Yeah. Um, so that was cool. I thought, um, and uh, I also thought there was there was a moment or two that sort of echoed Jason Fry's uh, first chapter from the. Uh, last jedi novel it was pretty like just a couple panels really it was pretty short but i thought that was well i was like okay that's you know that's that's a little more interesting or uh it's not just another like luke doing heroic things story it's got i mean it is but it's got a little (laughs) more than that too you know yeah um yeah i enjoyed it i thought it was pretty good um Um, i want to talk about like that that scene and talk about it without spoiling the uh (laughs) the chapter in the in the book and without spoiling the comic um which is gonna be kind of hard but um i do like i highly recommend everyone read the last jedi novelization uh it's uh it's pretty crucial um especially the way the book starts um and i think it's interesting that that's now not just a one-off thing that Jason Fry did. It's now kind of becoming a theme in this, like, new era of, like, we're kind of getting a picture of what, you know, a, a desire within Luke that's kind of, like, pulling at him at, the very least in his subconscious if it's you know if it's coming up in you know with palpatine messing in his head and you know in like a dream sequence um you know that is that has kind of become a part of luke and i think that's that's a really interesting uh way to you know, kind of, kind of build on his his character and flesh out his character a bit, um, and I hope we continue to see like a little bit more of that and where that goes, and you know, if Luke actually addresses it at some point in some fiction, like that would be cool. Yeah, totally. Uh, I think that stuff is really smart, and um, you know, after seeing the Last Jedi, I think it makes a ton of sense to kind of explore those sort of directions. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, absolutely, cool. Yeah. Okay, um, how about Lando? Uh, I read Lando last night as well. Um, that one, I started reading that issue, and I was like, oh boy, this is going to be just the most uh, sort of like uh, I've seen this a thousand times with Lando kind of story, and it sort of is. But I thought mm-hmm. uh, as it progressed, it became it got a little more interesting and uh, I liked the, the kind of conclusion of it, but it's, it's very much just like, uh, well, Lando is, uh, Lando's doing his Lando thing. He's super charming. Um, he's, <laughs> he's, has some, bro- he's broke. He's broke. He's trying to get money. <laughs> yep. There's a little bit of gambling. There's a little bit of swashbuckling. There's a little bit of uh, repartee with uh, Lobot. It's, uh, everything you'd expect from a Lando Calrissian story. But, uh, like I said, um, First few pages, I thought this is gonna be a chore almost because it's gonna uh-huh. be so exactly what I expected. But by the end, uh, I I did end up enjoying that one as well. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. There, like again, like I kind of mentioned earlier, there's some like just slight twists that mm-hmm. make um these books 
interesting and i think like that's the challenge of um like that's the challenge of writing so many stories in this time period is like how do you like how do you tell a story that's you know true to these characters but also like not feel like one we've heard before well it's a really interesting problem because um you know i'm i'm sure marvel wants to you know, maintain strong sales, obviously, on these Star Wars comics and sell as many Star Wars comics as they can. And I think still, in 2019 anyway, the best way to do that is probably to have people walk into the shop and see Lando and Luke and Leia and Mm -hmm. Darth Vader on the covers of these comics, you know. Um, And also, I think, obviously, they're not really allowed to do very much with Rey and Finn and Poe and, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, they they did have a whole Poe series, and that was great. Um, Probably my, maybe my favorite thing in the current run of marvel comics you know that i've read anyway so um but yeah it's just 2020 2021 etc like are they going to lean more into telling stories with ray and finn and poe and these new era uh characters and then when we start to get a new trilogy of movies or whatever like are we going to get cassian and or comics are we going to get mandalorian Mm -hmm. comics? are we going to start to get stuff that's more based on new things happening in star wars or is it going to be this situation where the higher ups at Marvel and whatever are like, you know what sells Luke Skywalker. That's what sells in the comic shop. And so do we just get 10 more years of Luke and Darth Vader stories (laughs) never ending? Um, (laughs) Do we, do we continue to uh, mine the, (laughs) the period between star Wars and the empire strikes back and empire and return of the Jedi Uh for the next decade? Because that's what sells. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it seems like a way to alienate the people like you who are buying issues month in and month out, but it also kind of seems like what you would do if you want to keep selling lots of Star Wars comics just to the general public, you know? Yeah, I mean, I have I have strong feelings on this, um, <laughs> and I, I don't know, well, like, my feelings are whatever, but, like, what I see is, what I see is, at Celebration, people screaming when Dr. Afra's name is mentioned on a panel. Like, that's what I see at Celebration, and I love that. And that's, like, that's... Those are my people. Like, that's, you know, as a Star Wars comic fan, like, that's what I want. I want these, like, new characters like Dr. Afra who are exciting and fun and there's no baggage tied to the films and stuff and you know maybe they'll maybe they'll be you know a film or an appearance in a tv show or something at some point cool um but like i want these like new stories that can go in crazy directions and like you know dr afra this like you know morally gray area thief slash archaeologist like that's just a perfect character for like a monthly comic book like her misadventures um are perfect for a monthly comic book and i'm also terrified that that book will be canceled at any moment because you know I I see and I hear the people, you know, yelling for her at um celebration. I see the people on my timeline this this week posting that they found the 6-inch black series Afra figure 
you know, at Target um, and being like so excited about it. Um, you know, I see all that stuff. Um, but then like, I also, you know, see the top selling comics of the month and every month and like Afra's never on there. Uh, like not. Yeah. Not in the top 100. Right. Yeah. And, um, and so like it, you know, it, it worries me, um, how, and like, you know, there's, that's a book that's like never sold out at my comic shop, but then, um, anecdotally when I went to my comic shop to, you know, pick up my new books, um, the week that the, the Boba Fett one shot came out, that was sold out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yep, exactly. Cause it, that's the thing. It's like your Twitter timeline or my Twitter timeline or whatever, or even the room at star Wars celebration, that mm-hmm. is like the most dialed in the, it's a small group of people, but it's the most dialed into what's going on. And yet that, you know, those people want new and fresh and all those things. And, mm-hmm. you know, to Marvel's credit, Afra has been going for a long time and, yep. uh, you know, it's, it's been around. So they are supplying that, um, at least with that book. But, uh, at the same time, like, I just, you got to wonder how big is that slice of the pie compared to the slice of the pie that would walk into the store and go, Oh, Boba Fett. Cool. You know, I think, and, and I say it's an interesting problem because I don't think there's an easy, you know, salute, like, yes, it'd be great if everything was new and fresh like Dr. Afra, but you know, um, it just doesn't make sense probably logistically and, you know, financially and all that kind of thing. So they need to find a way to balance it where, um, you know, they're they're able to sell uh, big numbers with Star Wars comics because I'm sure the license is uh, not cheap and, you know, they, they don't want to leave money on the table as far as being able to... And, and, and here's the thing, too. Uh, if there are people that walk into the comic book store and they want to buy a Boba Fett comic and Marvel gives them that Boba Fett comic, that's a good thing. I mean, it's not like a... Mm-hmm. I don't think either of us would look at that and say, like, oh, man, Marvel sucks. Like, why are they making all these Boba Fett comics? Like, if people want them <laughs> and they sell them... That's good, you know, um, but hopefully, and I, you know, they've done a decent job of, they had, you know, they had the Kanan Jarrus comic, and granted, that's a character that already existed, but at the same time, it's like, you're not going to have people walking into the comic book store going like, whoa, a Kanan comic? Like, yes, let's do this. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty niche, too, so I think yeah. they are trying to service both sides of, of that uh, equation, you know, the mm-hmm. hardcore people that are really dialed into the, the you know more niche stuff and then um the mainstream you know comic book fan who might go yeah you know what boba fett i like that dude let me pick up that comic this week so i think they're trying to do both um and uh doing an okay job so we'll see yeah yeah um and they are doing like you know their their mini series they do kind of like um branch out a little bit like right now we have tie fighter Mm -hmm. happening um Mm -hmm. And we have Galaxy's Edge, which, you know, well, granted, that's a tie-in to a theme park. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, um, you know, those those do exist. But, you know, we also, at any given moment, have a Darth Vader series yeah. Oh, yeah. on the shelf. Like, you know, there was Kieran Gillen's Darth Vader, then there was Charles Soule's Darth Vader, then there was Vader Dark Visions, and then next is Target Vader, like <laughs> that's, I mean, you know, that's uh, 
that's a thing. Yeah. For, you know, the people who come in and, you know, pick up their issue of Batman and they're like, yeah, well, I also grab, you know, Darth Vader. I like yeah, Darth Vader yeah. and Boba Fett. Like yeah. there is that, uh, you know, that subset of, of fans. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, but then, yeah, the Marvel is also, um, you know, still giving us Afra, so yeah. I can't, I can't complain too much. Right, and it'll just be curious to see what happens. You know, like I said, post Rise of Skywalker, if direction changes at all, and they're able to do more with, because I mean, I, it would be exciting for me for at least a couple of years to have some uh, sequel era stories being told. You know, instead of, although granted, there's not a lot of room. <laughs> there's zero room between the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi, so that kind of ties <laughs> our hands a little bit too. But I think there's going to be some room between. Um, uh, the uh, the Last Jedi and the Rise of Skywalker, and you know, depending on how willing they are to kind of open up the time after the Rise of Skywalker, there should be ample space for storytelling there too. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I do want to talk about the Age of uh, Resistance stuff here before we wrap up. So maybe just mm-hmm. like quick fire thoughts on any of these other ones. Um, you said you really like the Tarkin one, right? Yes. What's the deal with the Tarkin issue of Age uh, of Rebellion? The Tarkin issue is really weird, and oh. it's really dark oh. in like a, um, in a good way, in a surprising way, um, and it really gets you into uh, Tarkin's headspace, and. There's also a super buff shirtless Tarkin. Mm-hmm. Will buff Tarkin, as you refer yeah. to him as. Will buff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's uh, that's definitely something to unpack. So okay. um, that's my favorite one. That's the one that was like, whoa, this surprised me. Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Right. So. Okay, cool. Um, I read the special, and uh, yeah, I thought it was okay. Uh, I didn't really love the special. Yeah. I that was like the first like major dud in a Star Wars book that like I've experienced in a while. Okay, from yeah, Marvel, the, the that IG, was the IG eighty eight story was just like hard to follow. It was so like I don't know. It was just so basic. Like here's a robot. He's badass. He is gonna outsmart all the other people and kill him. Yeah, uh, it was pretty boring. And then the Yoda story was just like. I don't know. Again, it was like nothing happened. You know, it was like Yoda's hanging out on Dagobah. Uh, cool. Um, he, I, he uses the force. I don't know. It was just like, it was like nothing, you know, mm-hmm. it was really, and there was, there was moments where I kind of groaned almost where I was just like, Oh, okay. Like the, the, the parallel panel showing him like in the, uh, in the Senate chamber, like almost going to fall off of the pod. And then like on the thing in Dagobah, almost going to fall off. I was like, Oh, I remember one time uh, I almost fell off of something. And yeah. Now I'm falling off of something yep. again. I was like, there's nothing to this story. It's like, it's nothing, you know, which granted like these specials are more about just putting in like little I don't know, sh- quick little things, right? Like they don't, it's not trying to tell a full story really, but yeah. at the same time, it just wasn't interesting. The, the age of Republic special is awesome. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but then, like, I think the the, the Porkins, Porkins <laughs> story, <laughs> like, I mean, shout out to, like, trying to change tone. Uh-huh. Um, you know, like, Star Wars can be funny, 
but like you can also try to be funny and fail yeah i did not think that story was funny or entertaining (laughs) i I have to tell you too i'm so over the whole porkins thing like when i was 14 and it was the 90s i thought like oh there's a fat pilot and his name is porkins like i love it you know uh i thought that was so funny um 20 years later i'm i'm done with that like i don't need porkins jokes like i don't know like it it Mm -hmm. I got him on the shelf back there. He exists. There is a character in Star Wars called Porkins. It's fine. But the idea of trying to, like, you know, capitalize on, like, isn't it funny that the fat guy's called Porkins? And, like, now, I think we've already tread that ground, haven't we? Like, can we move on from that, please? Like, it's just not interesting again. So, (laughs) like, I love those jokes in issues of Wizard and Toy Fair in, like, 1998. But, yeah. yeah. I mean, I like the character. I like Porkins. I think. You know, he's a character. Yeah. Um, But, like, uh, yeah, we don't... I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think we're on the same page there. Um, I... <laughs> all right, so any, any, any of these other issues that uh, we need to comment on before we move on to the... Um, I thought... I, I enjoyed the Leia one. Um, okay. it, you know, if you want a story of Leia in action, um, definitely... Uh, check that one out she gets to uh do a lot of actiony things which we haven't really seen from her much in the in the new canon we we do see in it her in her miniseries the, yeah in the miniseries and in the ongoing star wars books but then like when you think about like the novels and stuff oh, yeah, like yeah. like claudia gray's books are more like her growing up and her like as a senator um but and not really uh her as like an action hero which this book is straight up like her as an action hero and it's it's yeah. pretty fun i enjoyed it well and like we were talking about last week i think or well we've talked about many times um you know it's like playing to the strengths of the medium and i feel like the strengths of the comic book medium is like yeah let's see leia in action you know whereas like uh, a claudia gray novel maybe the strength there is more exploring the character and uh, that sort of thing mm-hmm. so yeah it makes sense yeah. but um cool okay that's one to look out for um all right, let's move on to uh, talking about the Age of Resistance miniseries or the Age of Resistance um, one shots. I guess uh, there's now. More... Here's where the fun begins. Exactly. This is going to be. I mean, the the Age of Republic ones were fun. They were cool, uh, but I mean, this is where the real you know kind of substance is. Like this is exciting because these are characters and and stories and stuff that we haven't learned too much about really or haven't had much exploration of outside of the movies um so this is this is really fun um so the issues that have been announced um and kind of shown off a little bit so far are uh rose tico um supreme leader snoke ray and kylo ren and uh i gotta tell you ryan Oh, really? Okay. Well, he's. Not, I'm looking at this story from StarWars.com where they showed off like the covers and listed who the artists are and stuff, oh. and they don't have Finn listed there. So I don't think he's a September issue anyway, maybe. Oh. Um, so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, they. I mean, they have info. They have cover art and um, writers and artists and stuff for all these other ones and a little blurb kind of explaining uh, what those issues will be. So why don't we just go through those? Um, and, and the first one is Rose Tico which uh, we are big Rose Tico fans here on the mm-hmm. Blockade Runner podcast, so this is exciting. Um, also, big fans of Phil Noto, and he's doing the cover art for all four of these issues, so that's pretty sweet. Um, they look great. But, yeah. uh, and, and tell me, I'm sorry, Tom Taylor? Oh, 
Yes. Okay. So um, let let me just break down because I pulled up on Wikipedia the release order. Oh, okay. Um, so we're actually getting Finn first. Oh, okay. Finn is July third, so a couple weeks um, from now, and then it's Age of Resistance special uh, at the end of July. Then Poe Dameron. Rose Tico, Ray, Captain Phasma, General Hux, Supreme Leader Snoke in September, and then the final one, September 25th, is going to be uh, Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So this press release or this news blast is detailing the final issues. Okay. And in the, the okay, gotcha. Cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, this makes sense. I mean, like, I feel like the Finn and Poe and Phasma and even Hux, well, maybe not Hux, but Finn and Poe and Phasma, um, those characters, I feel like uh, a little less mystery around them anyway. And uh, I, I feel like this release order makes sense, you know? Like, mm-hmm. finding out what Ray's been up to or expanding on that story, that's going to be really interesting. And it's going to be surprising, I think. Whereas I bet the Finn issue, there's probably a, I'm sure there's a summary of it already, but... Um, I bet the Finn issue is like about him before he decided to leave the first order and him trying to make that decision and, and that sort of thing is probably what it's about. And it's like, Oh, there's a story about that. And in the, the, the middle grade reader book that came out before the force awakens. And it just, I feel like it's not going to be necessarily shedding light on things, you know, <laughs> but I bet the Ray one will be, and I bet the Kylo Ren one will be, and the Supreme leader Snoke one for sure will be, you know? So mm-hmm. that stuff is, is kind of more exciting. And so releasing it closer to, uh, the Rise of Skywalker makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the Finn issue is literally him being a janitor. Okay, see, yeah, exactly, <laughs> right, right, right. But, so it'll be so, great. I mean, I'll, I'm I'm excited to read it. But oh yeah, it's not like high interest. Like, oh my god, this is gonna shed light on his what you know what's gonna be happening in the Rise of Skywalker. I mean, probably none of these will do that necessarily. But um, yeah, it it's just. <laughs> we are hungry for some Kylo Ren storytelling, you know, to, to see more of what makes that guy tick and same with Snoke and same with Ray. I want to know what's going on with Ray and, and, uh, and Rose, like I said, we just, we love her and we haven't had much of her from her. So like, these are the Mm -hmm. ones that are more exciting probably. Yeah. And we also in this article got like the summaries of each of these issues. Um, which we can go over in a sec, but I want to kind of frame this a little bit more okay. um, because of this is exciting because we're getting these stories, um, you know, from this era. But it's also really exciting some of the uh, creatives that we have on these books. So, um, you know, Age of Republic was Jody Hauser, uh, Age of Rebellions, Greg Pak, uh, both of which are great comic writers. I've read a, a lot of both of their stuff. I like them a lot. This one is Tom Taylor, and Tom Taylor is one of my absolute favorite, like, new comic writers. Um, he's kind of came onto the scene um, a few years ago writing the Injustice um, series for DC uh, based on the video game and that like got uh, got like a pretty passionate fan following it wasn't something I was super interested in but um, I did see like he had a lot of fans 
but I was introduced to him by reading All New Wolverine, uh, which is when, uh, you know, in the X-Men books at a certain point, Wolverine was gone. So uh, the character X-23, uh, Laura, took over the mantle of Wolverine. And that book I just fell in love with. And it's, like, hilarious and heartwarming. And that's a book that has, like, a huge fan fan following. Um, and so, like, I really loved his work on that. And then he... Uh, wrote a X-Men miniseries called X-Men Red, and that was about um, Jean, Jean Grey returning to, like, lead an X-Men team. And uh, it's basically the, like, the you know, there's always multiple X-Men books out there, and, like, each team has, like, a different vibe. Uh, this was basically, like, the socially conscious x-men team so it had a lot to do with like the politics of being a mutant and you know racism and all of all of those themes were explored like really deeply in it which is you know part of the reason a huge reason why i love x-men and he did like just such a such a classy job on that and it was so excellent so i'm really really excited um that he's writing uh these age of resistance books cool yeah i knew that you would be able to shed light on not shed light (laughs) on but i knew you'd be able to uh expand on uh that choice i i I figured you'd bring your comics knowledge ryan and kind of fill us in on on uh, whether or not we should be excited about this so it sounds like we should and that's awesome we absolutely should and one last thing Mm -hmm. that we should be really excited about is age of resistance special one and i think we might have talked about this on another episode but like it had kind of slipped my mind so i i just want to remind everyone that in the age of resistance special one there is going to be a uh vice admiral amelin holdo story yeah and uh and this is going to be written by g willow wilson who uh had an amazing run on ms marvel for uh for for marvel um which just ended this her run just ended this year but um she had like a multi-year run on that and introduced um the the character of kamala and ms marvel and that book is amazing and everyone should read it but uh she's writing g willow wilson is writing wonder woman right now and it's excellent over at dc um so her writing a holdo story is very exciting to me yeah cool so okay um let's quickly run through these summaries because i think this is some pretty exciting stuff and then we're gonna have to Mm -hmm. wrap up the show so uh the rose tico issue is uh, described as sisters friends co-pilots growing up rose and Paige tico were everything to each other until the first order tore their world apart see the bond between rose and Paige before it was forever broken um and that sounds great. Uh, I, I will say, I think that you and I, Ryan, and people who are, you know, big time Rose Tico fans maybe have seen uh, this already, like in the um, uh, 
the young the young readers the middle grade reader and young reader books um that came out around the last jedi um i actually haven't read um what was the one like it was the <laughs> cobalt, cobalt squadron. Scott squadron yep i haven't read that one yet which i think focuses on page a little more maybe yeah um, and rose i haven't read that but i did read the rose you know rose's like journal of the events of um uh, the last jedi and before and so there's a lot about her relationship with page in there which is great and then um there was another one too uh another like middle grade or young reader book um i know i've read two different books that feature a lot of backstory on page and rose there's and it's good um, stuff Rose Tico Resistance Fighter yep. and Bomber Command, which oh. is the the page focus book. Yeah, so those are the two that we've read, and I, you know, I, I would imagine this will cover similar ground, but uh, mm-hmm. in a different medium. So I'm I'm looking forward to that for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next one is Supreme Leader Snoke number one, uh, and it's called uh, The Devil's Apprentice. Woo! Uh, I'm into it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Supreme, <laughs> Supreme Leader Snoke's brutal training of Kylo Ren begins. Will the sadistic Snoke break his tormented protege, or has he underestimated the son of Han and Leia? Oh, pretty good. There's a lot, uh, lot suggested by that summary, so I think that'll be really good. Just more Snoke. I mean, come on, let's see. Like that's that's exciting, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I have to say too, I saw that title, The Devil's Apprentice, and I thought. Well, like, you know, I read the summary and I thought, okay, I see. Um, Kylo Ren is the devil's apprentice. But in the grand tradition of Star Wars, like titles and stuff, you know, could it be one of those things where we look back on that title and think, oh, uh, there's more than one meaning to that title. You know, Uh was Snoke at one point the emperor's apprentice and, and, you know, was he the devil's apprentice in that setting or in that sense? You know, I love it. I mean, I don't think this comic will reveal that or anything, but... uh, not in September. Not but... in September, but again, like if you go back and read it after the fact, mm-hmm. could be fun. Uh, yeah, so that's maybe the one I'm most excited about. Um, but then uh, the the next issue is uh, is Ray search for Skywalker. Uh, after Han Solo's fall, Ray searched for Luke Skywalker, but before Luke, there was Leia. Witness never-before-seen moments between Ray and General Organa. What will Ray, Chewie, and R2-D2 encounter on the way to find Leia's missing brother? Thoughts? Mm, I'm into it. Yeah. Like, obviously. <laughs> uh, I know in the movie we'll see some some connection and some some development between Ray and Leia. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, uh, exploring that a little bit in a comic, um, on the, uh, in the lead up is, uh, is promising and it's, it's set, you know, firmly in the force awakens era. So it's not going to encroach on what we're going to see in the movie, but I think it can support what we'll see as far as that relationship goes in the rise of Skywalker. So that's, uh, like mm-hmm. I said, that's promising, I think. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one, um, Kylo Ren, a dynasty of doom. Anakin Skywalker casts a long shadow. Can Kylo Ren ever escape his infamous fa- grandfather's reputation, or will he succeed where Darth Vader failed? Ooh, uh, pretty good. <laughs> Again, a lot to unpack there because you know when yeah, all that talk of like I will succeed where you failed. Finish what you like, started, yeah. Yeah, what does that even mean mm-hmm. in the context of episode nine? Uh, this will be a, this will be a fun one. And yeah, just like any any 
like this feels like a book that's going to get into Kylo's head a bit, maybe be like a more intimate uh, portrait of him. Uh, and that's really exciting. Just like, you know, just from like the description and like looking at the cover of, you know, Noto's cover here with Vader's helmet in the background and like Kylo unmasked. Mm on the cover like i don't know it's uh it gives me the feeling that this is going to get into some of that ben solo torment oh yeah that uh content that we crave oh yeah and and snoke and kylo are the two characters or two of the characters anyways that they have been most hesitant to kind of really explore in any detail Mm -hmm. in supporting materials um so you know i think it's it's going to be exciting you know Regardless, just because it's kind of uh, giving us a little time with Kylo and, and Snoke, these two comics, um, which we don't normally get. But uh, I think, you know, from reading the descriptions and hearing what you had to say about the writer, Tom Taylor, um, sounds like they could be uh, really, really great um, beyond that. But even, you know, even if it's just a little more time with, you know, two characters we barely get to spend any time with, I think it'll be satisfying in that regard. So, yep, um, definitely this is the, this is the, the prime course here of, of these age of a uh, series, the age of um, resistance. It's going to be mm-hmm. wrapping up with the, uh, the most exciting part. So really looking forward to those comics. Uh, speaking of wrapping up though, Ryan, I've got to go. I gotta, I, I gotta go. I can't stay anymore. So we got to uh, wrap up the show here. Um, so thanks very much for watching and or listening and uh, please follow uh, everything we do at blockaderunnerpodcast.com. If you want to give us some feedback on this um, episode or uh, share your thoughts on um, any of the topics covered within, you can email us at blockaderunnerpodcast at gmail.com and or use the uh, voicemail link in the show notes. Um, we are on Twitter at Blockade Run and Ryan, you're on Twitter at... Braun Jorf, B-R-A-W-N-D-W-A-R-F. All right. So thanks very much for watching and listening, and we will be back soon with more Blockade Runner Podcast. <laughs>